0: Thirty-two, please. You probably actually don't need to turn here, but. the that thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. Let's pray. We'll discuss this very briefly tonight. Father, we bless your name. It is our privilege to be here. It's our privilege to think through missions and to hear from our missionaries and to pray for them involved in your work around the world, and we ask tonight, Father, that this would be a help, not only uh, around the world, but, Father, primarily in our own lives, as you teach us what we need to know. We ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Tonight, let's discuss something very Very practical. practical. Since it is a missions-focused night. We'll approach it from that vantage point, but it's something that all Christians really need to understand. A missionary comes to this church and says, God has called me to such and such a place. And based on that call, this missionary has left where he was at and went to Bible college. So he spent probably at least four years in Bible college. After Bible college, He goes out on what we call deputation, and for two years at least, he is traveling the country on deputation, raising support. Then, once he has his financial support all raised, he sells basically everything that he owns. He packs up everything that he needs, and he heads to a foreign country, typically. He packs his family, his children, his wife, says goodbye to everybody that he knows, and goes to the field. It may be as primitive as a jungle or more uh, technologically advanced than what we live in. The country may be uh, very peaceful or it may be in great turmoil. But he goes because he says God has called him. Now, some of the missionaries go to the field and they stay there for a very long time. We have quite a few of those. Some of them are there for a while, and then they switch fields. But some of them go to the field. They are there for their first term, which is four years generally. And when they return to the the United States, they never go back. Now it is common knowledge, or should be common knowledge, that the first four years that a missionary spends on the field, they are of very little actual value. The first four years are for themselves. They get settled, they learn the language, they learn the culture, they get a grasp of the people and the work that has to be done. And so the first four years is for the missionary himself. So do the math. If a missionary goes to Bible college, goes to deputation, and then goes to his first four years, he hasn't really gotten anything accomplished as far as that country goes, so he has spent ten years of his life to a country that he's not going to return to. And for six of those years, at least, the churches across the country have been investing. And all they have to show for it is a missionary who has a lot of knowledge about a country and a language and a culture that he's never actually going to use any longer. Now, I have no doubt that God does lead some missionaries, some people down that path. But one of our visiting missionaries recently told me that his mission board said that the non-return rate after the first four years is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%. I about fell over dead. Now, our experience has not been that. Ours is probably around 20% uh, that don't go back after four years. Uh, That's because we are actually targeting specific types of missionaries. But at 50%, Even if you factor out all those who get discouraged and quit, and even if you factor out all those who have health issues or family reasons and can't go back, we still end up with what must be a lot of missionaries, a lot of people who have mistaken the call of God on their life and basically lost 10 years in that transaction. Now, the statistics in the United States are not much better. I haven't heard lately what the statistics are, but the average stay a few years ago of a youth pastor was around two years. Now you think about that: a teenager in his most difficult time of life will have between two and three, possibly even four, youth pastors in their high school career, in their in their youth career in the youth group. So they're just getting used to a guy, and he leaves. And they just get used to that guy, and he leaves. And they get used to another guy, and he leaves. Now, I don't doubt that God sometimes moves pastors like that. But when the national average is two years, I think we can safely say some are mistaking their call. Of course, in the non-ministry realm, there are no real facts and figures to go with. There's no way to track any of this. But we have to assume that if the leadership of the churches are making, are mistaking the call of God at an alarming rate, can the followship be that far behind? So, let's talk tonight briefly about hearing the voice of the Lord. It is important, imperative is actually a better word, that we know and understand this subject. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. To what did this verse apply? Is it only for major things like your vocation? Is it only for a little more minor things like which car should I buy? Is it only for spiritual things like how do I answer someone's difficult question? Is it only for things that are of Major life issue. What does this verse cover? I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Well, I think it is safe to say that it's only for the things that God cares about. Okay, isn't that that fair enough? And since God counts the hair that falls off of your head, for some of us this is of more concern than others. But for none of us is it that big of concern, right? I don't think any of you sit there and count the hair that fell off your head. It doesn't matter to you. But if it matters to God, then I think it's safe to say, since anything that matters to Him, this verse applies to, I think it's safe to say that it applies to everything. Okay, so now we have a promise that He will instruct and teach us in the way that we should go. So how do we hear his voice? Let me give you a few principles or steps. Number one, surrender your will. Surrender your will. Don't just pass over this. This is critical. Surrendering your will is not just saying the right words. Okay, I was a youth pastor for a very long time. I went to the ranch a lot of times, a bunch of times. And so I was involved with all the competitions that go on at the ranch. And I saw this multiple times. A teenager in the devotional times we would have would pray something like this before the competition Lord, we just want your will here. We just want your will. Um, we want to be a blessing. We want to show Christ. We just want your perfect will here, whether we win or lose, we just want your perfect will, so Lord, we commit our our game or our competition to you. That sounds great, doesn't it? Oh, boy, what a prayer. Yes, thank you, Lord. And then, after the competition, when they lost, they were fuming. What does that tell you? (laughs) We have a problem here, right? Because what they were doing is just saying words as kind of a help to make sure they won the tournament. The surrendering of the will was the quickest way to the trophy they could think of. This is not surrendering of the will. This is merely lip service to the idea. And we're not talking about lip service to the idea. We're talking about actually surrendering your will. Now. You have to understand, I think in pictures. I don't know if you do or not, but I think in pictures. So let me explain to you how this this may help you, it may or may not. But it's the it's way that helps me. When I come to something like this, I say to the Lord, Lord, draw the picture and draw me in it wherever you want. And if you don't even draw me in the picture, that's fine too. Okay, do you understand that? Because my mind thinks in pictures. And so in my mind, I think of all the different scenarios of this and myself in it. And if at any of the pictures that come up in my mind of this scenario, if anything in me jumps like, wait a second, then I know I have an issue. Do you understand that? This is such a huge help to me. Basic honesty here, full disclosure. The first time I really recognized this is I was praying for revival. Now, if I would have understood what revival actually was at the time I was praying for this, it wouldn't have been an issue, but now I understand more than I did then. But I was praying for revival. And so I'm saying, Lord, bring revival, and I don't care how you put me, just put me in the picture or don't put me in the picture, and I'm envisioning all these pictures. And the Lord prompts my mind to say, Well, what if I dropped revival on a church that I wasn't that enthused about at that time and some people that I wasn't that enthused about at that time? And they got revival and I didn't. And I thought, now wait a minute here. Now what do we got? We have an unsurrendered will. And this was a real eye-opener for me. And this is what we must do. Mueller said, before I start anything, before I begin to pray about anything, I work at making sure that my will is in neutral. This is an important step, and I've spent a little more time on it because it's such an important step. Because if you don't take this step, you're going to undermine the whole rest of the process. Make sure that your will is neutral. Number two, you need to ask. (laughs) I think that's pretty simple, isn't it? You need to ask. There is a certain humility that comes from asking. There is a show of dependency that comes from asking. If you want help, God is willing to give it. But ye have not because Ye ye ask not. So get your will in neutral and then say, as Saul said on the road to Damascus, Lord, what? What will thou have me to do? Here's the situation, Lord. What do you want me to do about it? What is your will here? I don't care what it is. I don't care what you tell me. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to know what it is so I can do it. What is your will? What would you have me to do? So get your will in neutral, then ask. And number three, you need to listen. You need to listen. Did your kids ever do to you what my kids do to me? Ask me a question, and then I'm just giving them the most wonderful answer, and I look over at them, they're not even paying attention. Did any of your kids ever do that? It's like, you asked a question. I didn't, sometimes dads wax eloquent without being asked, but when you're asked, I mean, then you really go after it, and they're over there, they're, you know, messing on their phone or whatever. You're like, wait a second, you asked. Do you know how often we do this to God? We ask and then we don't bother to listen. We ask Him to speak, but we try to force Him to shout over the raucous events of our life. You know what's even more common than not listening? Is listening to your own answers. I'm a Hogan's Heroes fan. In one episode, Klink, he he's contemplating something, new, so he asks this question, and then he gives himself the answer. And Hogan says, Colonel Klink, you're, answer, you're asking and answering your own questions, and that is tops in German efficiency. <laughs> it's very efficient, but it's not very bright. We very often answer our own questions. It's not the way to get the right answer. You know what this often stems from? A sloppy job in point number one. We have not yet gotten our will into neutral, and so we try to answer the question ourselves. How many times hasn't someone said, I just felt like that was the right thing to do. When obviously it was not the right thing to do. What was that? Themselves answering the question. And sure it felt right. Why? Because it was what you wanted to do in the beginning. And so you answer your own question and then feel right about it. You can have peace that way. Because you get the answer that you want and assume it's from the Lord. Get your will in neutral. Surrender it. Ask the Lord to lead you. Then listen for the answer. And number four, learn to recognize the voice of the Lord. Learn to recognize the voice of the Lord. When we were kids, my brother Steve used to do what older brothers do. And sometimes we as younger siblings were not that enthused about that. And so we would be in the basement and we would go to tell on him. And we would say, "Mom," and Steve would say, "We love you." <laughs> and we, Mom, we love you. <laughs> Anybody have a sibling like that? <laughs> you got to admit he's creative. <laughs> Look, when you ask for leading you have to realize there's more than one voice that can speak. The Lord has a speaking voice. You have a speaking voice. We've already talked about that. The devil also has a speaking voice. And it is very important that you learn to know the difference. You say, well, that ought to be easy. Uh, No, not necessarily, because the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. So this is not just a, oh, okay, it's the, the, there's not this little red and deal, okay, on your shoulders kind of thing. You need to learn to understand and recognize the voice of the Lord. Well, so how do I do that? Well, One part is really simple. The Lord will never say something that doesn't agree with his word. Yes. This will keep you out of a whole bunch of trouble, my friends. He never speaks and says anything that disagrees. He can't disagree with himself. He's never going to say anything that disagrees with himself. And so this is why, one of the reasons why we fill our minds with the word of God. Because it helps us to know what voice we're hearing. Because it sorts through the spirits, as the Bible says. It tries the spirits to see if they're right. And the the Lord will never speak in contradiction to his word but there are many things in your world that you need answers to that don't have a yes or no in the bible okay it doesn't say thou shalt not do this or thou shalt do this and so how do you know it's not going to contradict whether i do it or i don't do it. it's not going to contradict the scriptures there are ways of discerning the voice of the lord Once you've passed through this first test, okay, whether it applies to the scriptures, you can't bypass that, you can't use this in addition to that, it's dangerous. It must always go through the test of the scriptures. You have to understand the voice of the Lord is always clear, it is continual, it is consistent. The voice of the other side is not that, the voice of the other side will be pushy it will be sporadic it will be changing now once you have heard the voice of the lord it's easier to discern it once you have understood what it sounds like once you've understood the difference it's very easy it's a little more difficult to explain to you if you've never if you have not experienced this But the voice of the Lord is clear, settled, and consistent. The voice of the devil is pushy and changing. The voice of God speaks consistently in your spirit. It's like a steady pressure. The voice of the devil is more like a butterfly or a bee that's flying around from point to point to point. It's always kind of changing. It's unsettled. This is one of the key differences to understand. And once you have heard the voice of the Lord, it's easier to recognize it. After you have heard the voice of the Lord, how do you determine for sure that it is the voice of the Lord? Point number five, okay? So we've walked through this. You surrender your will, then you ask, then you listen, and then you attempt to recognize the voice of the Lord. And then you do a check. So how do you check this? The way that you check is to pray and ask for leading again. When you pray and ask for leading again, You see if the thing changes or not on you. You go back to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm trying to do your will. You said you would instruct and teach me the way that I should go. And this is what I think the answer that you're giving me is. Is this correct? And if it changes or becomes uncertain, then you need to start back at the beginning and go through this again. If it stays consistent, then you have the wherewithal to move forward according to Psalm 32.8. Now let me give you a critical piece of advice here, and we're done. You do not want to attempt to learn the, the speaking voice of the Lord on the critical issues of your life. You do not want to be trying to discern the voice of the Lord for the first time when you're trying to decide whether you should get married or not, or whether you should change vocations and, or move across the country, or this, that, or the other thing. Major life decisions, you should not be trying this on. This is not where you learn. You should be learning. Okay, those kinds of situations happen maybe once every six months or a year, or maybe not even that often. But every single day, a dozen times this week, you will be confronted with things that you need to know. What is the will of God? What way am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to do? And it is in these things that you learn to hear that speaking voice. Now these notes all came from our missions class. And we used to teach the teenagers in the class how to, the beginnings of how to discern the voice of the Lord. Here's how we did this. Just exactly as I would explain, as I explained tonight, each one of the teenagers had to have a ministry that they were responsible for, all various things through the church. And so we would have them come in one at a time, there was a a list, and as they, more, As it got got through, there'd be less and less things on the list because other things were already taken. So the older kids came in first, so they had the longest list. The younger kids came in last, so they had a really short list. But they had, at this moment, they had to know what the will of the Lord was. They had to discern it. And so we would have them pray over this list. These are the ministries that are available. Now Ask the Lord which the other ministries aren't available because somebody else has already taken them. So their choices are limited which one of these ministries do you believe the Lord would have you be involved in? And they would look down the list, and we said, okay, now you've looked at it, now let's pray. And we would pray and ask the Lord to, to lead them specifically. And then the, when they would do, do the praying, they'd say, which one of these ministries do you believe the Lord have you? And they'd say, I believe that one. If they say, I don't know, they'd say, well, then we're going to pray again. And so we'd pray again. And if they said after that, I don't know, we'd pray again. And then they would... Finally, they would say, I believe it's this one. Okay, so now let's check this. And we'd ask the Lord again. Lord, either give us your peace or remove your peace so that they're doing the right thing. Now, what were we trying to do? Help them to understand the voice of the Lord speaking in their heart. Now, if they made a mistake... And they were, instead of, they were supposed to do the communion, putting the communion together, and they were actually doing the sermon archiving. Would the church fall down, and would people not get saved? Probably not. No major effect. But you know what? In the life of every teenager, there are decisions. If they do not know the voice of the Lord, and they make a mistake, it's devastating. And just the same in your life. And so on these things that are not major issues, they are major because there is a way that you can learn how to hear the voice of God speaking in your heart. And it is something that every single Christian ought to know because I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. You don't have any better promise than that, my friend. You don't have any more, anything greater for life than that, that God will tell you point by point, step by step, exactly what you ought to do. And when you hear his voice and you know it, you can do his perfect will. You must learn to hear the voice of God and discern it from those other voices in the world. Let's pray.